Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. So the first thing I wanted to do is show you something. This looks like an ordinary backpack. It's not. It's This one is made by Ogio. It's not my favorite because it's not waterproof. Um, it's got a 40-liter water bottle. That's important when traveling. But when I'm on the road, this is my home. Um, my next trip, it probably won't be this one. I have a, a waterproof bag I'm going to try to use. But when I'm traveling, um, things are a little bit different. See, when I travel, I'm not thinking about uh, how comfortable will the bed be. In fact, I've slept on the floor. Um, I do think about how good is the food going to be. I'll be honest about that. Uh, I can tell you the, the best fried noodles in China are down in Hainan on a truck at about midnight, a little push cart truck thing. Um, the absolute... You can't really get tacos in Honduras, but uh, they're, they're, uh, their tortillas are too thick there, but I prefer them. <laughs> but uh, I didn't come here to tell you about culinary delight because the food isn't always so good on a missions trip. Um, I've been asked to eat, to eat some pretty crazy things, and I had to pretend like it wasn't a shocker. Um, in Cambodia, when you're traveling from big city to big city, if you want to call them that, uh, the, the van pulls over, and, you know, like, uh, to the east here, you'll see people with, uh, with fruit or something at a little stand, you know, and that they're trying to sell. Well, there you pull over, and they give you these little bags, like a lunch bag, and they don't even ask you how many you want. They count how many heads in the car. They hand you your bags and they collect the money because everyone gets one. And uh, <laughs> you're eating it to pass the time like it was popcorn, but it's actually fried crickets. And uh, imagine my surprise. I also had uh, fried tarantula in Cambodia. Um, when I'm in Honduras, I'm eating in people's homes. And the traditional thing is they, uh, they make chicken soup for a guest. And it's a big deal. Um, one of the ministries that we do in La Esperanza is uh, people have been poor for so long there that they can't really do this tradition. And that is someone comes to their house, they feed them chicken soup, and they don't even eat with you. They serve you. And then... Uh, you know, they'll eat later, but, you know, they treat you like guests. And this is the normal there, that, but nobody can afford to do it because they're going hungry, you know. They can't afford to feed other families, so they don't invite people. And so one of the things we do is we bring the food, and uh, they get to host us. And it's this, it sounds kind of arrogant when you say it out loud, huh? Like, I'm bringing food so they can cook for me. But to them, this is like this really big deal. 
And no matter how the chicken soup tastes, it's the best chicken soup I ever had in my life every single time. And, uh, but I'll be honest, in Honduras, I've never had bad chicken soup. But even if it was bad, that's how it would be. And that's because uh, my mission there isn't to fill my stomach. And it's not to taste culinary delight. It's not for the adventure. It's because I'm a citizen here in America, and I have something that they need. Not money, although I do bring money. I have Jesus, and I go there in order to fulfill that mission. And so uh, when I sleep in a house that has more spaces missing boards than it has boards, so the mosquitoes come in, and when I wake up with spider bites on my legs, and uh, I pretend like it's normal and this is how it is at home, because I don't want my friends' feelings to be hurt. I want them to feel the love of Christ as I stay there. And right about now, you guys are probably wondering, what is Steve doing up there today? <laughs> hey, Steve, could you bring the volume down just a little bit? I'm feeling like I'm whispering, and it's pretty loud. Um, what if I told you that all of us are on mission right now? Imagine if you came to Oceanside, right? You're from another country where they have it better than we do, right? And when I say better than we do, I'm not talking about like, you know, uh, a better than first world country. I'm talking about a place that seems to have Jesus more, right? I'm talking about a, coming from a place where everyone's a Christian. And so you feel like you have something to share with the people in Oceanside. How would you act when you got here? Would you be focused only on surfing or the, the surf museum? Would you act like a tourist? Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is I have some scripture for you today. I bet you're waiting for that moment. The first one is from John 17. I have given them your word. This is Jesus praying about us. Imagine that. I have given them your word, and the world hated them. For they are not the world any or they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. And another way to translate that is sanctify them to live in accordance with the truth. And your word is the truth. I like that translation better. So what did Jesus pray for us? That was a question. He prayed that God sanctify us with his word. And what is it to be sanctified? That means it's set apart for God. So ask yourself, do you feel very set apart? 
When you're hanging out with all the people in your hometown, do you feel different? Do you feel like you're just another person in Oceanside? Or do you feel like an instrument of war? Do you feel like you're the tool God's using to do battle in Oceanside? I tell you, sometimes I don't feel very used, but I certainly feel like I'm in his quiver. I try to keep myself clean and sharp, although I feel rusty most of the time. I try to keep myself that way. So Jesus didn't only pray for us and about us, he spoke about us. See, if you really want to understand how we're supposed to live on mission, even in our hometown, you got to look at what Jesus said, because that's what he was here to say. He was here to show us how to do it. (laughs) The most obvious place to go is Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So, you know, that has always confused me. Because I took science in high school. Did you know that salt cannot lose its saltiness? No matter what happens to salt, no matter how wet it gets and then you dry it, doesn't matter what you put in it, it will still purify meat, period. So you got to wonder, what is Jesus saying? I've heard so many people talk about this line and say, oh, well, I have to live better and not sin. That way I don't lose my saltiness. But if salt doesn't lose its saltiness, what could he be talking about? I think what Jesus might be saying is that no matter how much they hate you, no matter how much you're persecuted, everything you touch is going to be, pers- going to be purified. No matter what you do, just, just being somewhere is going to make that difference. Why? Is it because I'm so cool? No. Trust me, when I land in Honduras, nobody thinks I'm cool. I'm the short, fat guy that thinks he can speak Spanish and makes a ton of mistakes. And <laughs> I remember uh, at one point we were, uh, were walking down these dirt roads, and I wasn't smart enough to pick up a stick like two of the other people did, right? And I got this backpack on because I brought all my stuff with me like an idiot, And we walked all day to go have soup with these people. And as we're coming home, we're spread out on the road. And I'm walking with one of Cesar's daughters, his oldest daughter. And we were talking. And uh, this dog comes flying out barking. And there's no fence. There's no nothing, right? And I'm like, okay, this is it. This is the story that everyone's going to talk about. (laughs) You know, Steve got mauled by a dog. And the dog comes out, and I'm like, hey, stay behind me. And so she gets behind me, and I'm hoping somebody with a stick gets there before the dog does. But that doesn't happen, and I'm slowly backing up. 
and I fell in a ditch and I couldn't get up because I was wearing a backpack. <laughs> Steve the Brave. <laughs> but our purpose everywhere we go isn't to be the cool dude. It's not going to be the one pe- to be the one that people envy. It's it's not that people want to emulate us. We get the idea in our arrogance that that's what we're there for. We're there to teach these sorry people how to live. No, that's not it at all. We're going to places that already have their own culture, steeped with tradition. They have knowledge. They need Jesus. They don't need my way of life. They don't need my economics. They don't need really anything I have to offer except the Spirit. You are the light of the world, he said. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light up a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I heard it said once and I got offended the first time I heard it which happens a lot. Someone said, if you were put on trial for being a follower of Christ, would they have enough to convict you? As a young Christian, that really upset me. A lot. And so if I look at my life today, Could they convict me? Oh, well, yeah. I got this wonderful Britney mic, right? That means I'm in, right? No, (laughs) not at all. In fact, it might be the opposite. (laughs) Uh, I'm employed by a church. Yeah, so. (laughs) There's pictures of Michael feeding homeless people. That, That might be a good idea that Maybe, maybe his light should be shown. The work C4C does is amazing. I got to say that. I didn't come here to talk about C4C today, but after seeing that, I'm like, man, I love these guys. But God uses our good deeds. Now, it's confusing because in one line, he's telling us to not let anyone see your good deeds. (laughs) Don't let the left hand know what your right hand is doing, or was it the other way around? But then he's saying, let everyone see it so it glorifies God. But notice the context, he says, the context he says in each one. When it comes to making myself look good, I shouldn't let anyone know what I'm doing. But when it comes to show the glory of God, I should let everyone know what I'm doing. Because he's the person that we're trying to glorify. He's the person that I'm hoping the Hondurans get to know when I go down there. Knowing me is not going to make them any better off. 
except they might get to do good deeds when they're saving me from myself because we don't have all the luxuries down there. (laughs) Jesus spoke about codes of ethics. You have heard it said that it would... uh, That was easy for me to say. You have heard it said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Pretty simple, huh? The Ten Commandments say, don't murder. Jesus says, don't get angry. That puts the bar higher than I can reach. I haven't murdered anyone yet, but I've been angry with people so many times, and I've demonstrated this anger so many times, and I've let my anger cause me to hurt people so many times. It's more than I can live up to. But if you think about it, we get angry at people for things they do. Remember, Jose used to tell I would get so upset with someone And Jose would say, Steve, why are you mad? They're doing what they're supposed to do. They don't know Jesus. I mean, seriously, would you get mad at a two-year-old for doing something wrong? Yeah, I know, your parents, some of you have. But logically, would you be mad at a two-year-old for not knowing how to act? No. We can't get mad at the world for not knowing Jesus, for not living up to the, the ideas that Jesus put up there. All we can do is lead them to Christ, and we're not going to lead them to Christ by yelling at them. Paul said in a letter to the Philippians, For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conducts show that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. I don't want to be an enemy. They're headed for destruction. Here's the part that really hit me. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. And they think only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven. Where the Lord Jesus Christ lives And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. Ah, there's my notes. I got lost. And so if we're not citizens of heaven or if we're citizens of heaven what happens to our citizenship here i mean we're americans right we have certain rights that are owed to us because we're americans right well yeah but in all of eternity are you going to talk about how you were an american are you going to talk about how you were a christian Because some of the rights that are promised us for being American 
don't even matter as a Christian. They don't. <laughs> that part was for free. <laughs> Back to your notes, Steve. Come on. Jesus raises the bar on a couple of other things when he talks about adultery. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Don't do that. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Wow. And then he goes on to talk about, you know, poke out your eye if your eye causes you to sin or cut off your arm if your arm causes you to sin. Or... But Jesus didn't talk about an eye or an arm. He talked about your heart. He said that if you lusted in your heart, it's our hearts that have to change. <laughs> it's really simple, right? If I love my wife, I'm not going to think about having sex with someone else. If I love my sister, who is, by the way, any of you who are female, I'm not going to think about having sex with you outside of marriage. Uh, what was it Jesus said about uh, the first two commandments or the, the two greatest commandments? That's right. Love God and love your neighbor. And everything hinges. All the law and the prophets hinge on that. He talked about, oh wait, before I move on. <laughs> I love Dallas Willard. I know you guys know this. And he talks about love and how we keep getting love wrong in our culture, right? How many times have you said, I love chocolate fudge cake? <laughs> How love do you think chocolate fudge cake feels when you walk at it with a fork? <laughs> <laughs> love does not mean I want to devour you. <laughs> love means I would sacrifice for you. Which brings us to a very serious problem in America, divorce. Now, I was talking about this on the Sunday night service once, and one woman that was there was really upset because when Jesus talked about divorce, he talked about a man divorcing a woman, and he didn't bother to say a woman divorcing a man. And I had to explain that that was because at that time, there was no provision for divorce that a woman could choose in Judea. Only a man could divorce a woman back then, and according to Jesus, it was even wrong. So, but Jesus says, it has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual morality, makes her a victim of adultery. Now, it's funny. Every, when I first read that, I had the idea 
that you were making, he was claiming that you're making her an adulterer. That's what was in my head, because, like, she has to remarry or something, and so you're forcing her to be. But no, I realized, if she's, if she's your wife, and she's the victim of adultery, what does that make you? Yeah, that's a scary thought. But I think what the reason Jesus is bringing this up is because at the time, men would decide that they, things weren't working out with their wife and they would divorce them. And so, are you putting the woman first if you divorce her? Are you sacrificing for her if you divorce her just because things aren't working? And it goes the other way. Today, women are divorcing men. Are you putting your spouse first when you choose to divorce? No. I want to say again, love is not, I desire to devour you. <laughs> love is, I would choose to sacrifice for you. Paul told the Romans, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so, divorce is common in America, but we're not supposed to conform to that pattern. And adultery is common in America, and we're not supposed to conform to that. And I only say America because that's where I live. <laughs> but we have to somehow figure out how to be in this world and be citizens of another world. You guys ever listen to the or watch the videos from the Bible Project with Tim Mackey? They have this illustration, and it's fantastic. I wanted to figure out how to get it on the screen, but it, it didn't work out. I'm not that good. Um, but he shows the world in a circle. And when the world was created, it was all together. And then when sin hits the world, it splits. And heaven and earth are completely separate. And the idea that people have is that at the end of time, we're all going to go to heaven. And so we'll move from the spot where we are and fly over to the spot where Jesus is. And somehow it's all going to work out that way, which it's an entirely biblical. But in this uh, illustration, it shows the circles move together. And you see where the circles cross. And that space in the middle is heaven meeting earth. And everything's possible there. And then they talk about how Jesus came. And while he was here, he was making little pockets of heaven on earth as he did a healing. And as he uh, did a miracle. And, and he brought peace to this section. And everywhere where Shalom sits, that's where heaven is. 
The Bible says that there's going to come a day, not when we all go to heaven, but when heaven comes here. So when I get sent to Honduras, I'm not bringing them America. I'm trying to bring them heaven. I'm trying to set up shop there like a, a, oh, what do you call it, where the ambassador is at a country. (laughs) The embassy. I'm trying to set up an embassy where people can go in the middle of another country that are citizens of heaven. That's what I'm trying to set up when I go. I have a friend. I'm not going to mention any names for uh, safety purposes, but she just got back from China, and her story is amazing. The people that she's gotten to know and the things that she's gotten to do in the most dangerous places in the world for a Christian. It's amazing to me. It's it's how I want to be when I grow up. It's funny, we're not very different in age, but I think she's more grown up. So another thing Dallas Willard said was it doesn't matter what you do. It matters who you are becoming. And so one might think that I trained for a missions trip by jogging and working out, which I really should, but I I don't so much. But I train with this because this transforms me the way Paul's talking about. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not trying to say that I'm so transformed and I'm so awesome because, well, you guys know me. What I'm trying to say is what I shoot for, what my goals are. I want to be better than I am. And not for the sake of me being better, but for the sake of bringing an embassy to another country or setting up shop right here in Oceanside. Jesus goes on to tell us about oaths, set a new standard with that. He told us not to give these grandiose oaths as as if we had control over the moon or anything else. I swear by the moon that I'm going to, you know, we don't have to do all that. Just let your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes. It's that simple. Integrity goes a long way with people. If I promise the moon and I fail, they may not trust me, but they certainly won't trust Jesus if I was the one bringing Jesus to them. Another standard Jesus changes for us. He says, you have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you in the, on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Now, this is not fair. That's all I got to say about that. I remember being so happy as a kid when my cousin would hit me and I would go to my mom and she'd say, all right, hit him back. 
and they would have to sit there and let me hit them back because that was the deal, right? It was so satisfying. <laughs> it's not fair. And so Jesus says that we're not supposed to give people what they deserve. And thank God, because if I got what I deserved, <laughs> think about that for a minute. Some of you guys know where I come from. Some of you only know me from Oceanside, and I was being good for most of that. But I used to be somebody that did a lot of horrible stuff. And if I ever had to make do for that, if it came time to pay the check... Or if I was in Honduras, and la cuenta, por favor. Let's bring the check. That would be really bad. We're not supposed to give people what they deserve, but we're supposed to give generously. That's why Christians should be the best tippers in the world. That's right. Oh, wait, you mean... Uh, if she doesn't bring you coffee enough time, she doesn't deserve as good enough of a tip. What is there no grace for waitresses? Is that what you want to say? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but this one, I think, is the hardest where Jesus raises the bar. He says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. <laughs> that one's hard. Because I still want to get my mom's permission to hit him back. I still want to do that. The desire's in me. I still want to get on my, you know, righteousness. <laughs> Notice how wrong it is to put my and righteousness together. But I still want to get up on my high horse and let everyone know how wrong they was by how badly I thrashed them, you know? Or worse than that, stand in a room where they're not and talk and backbite. That's what my nature wants me to do. But I can't do that. Well, I guess I could. I have. <laughs> but according to Jesus, I can't do that. It's so easy to say, but Jesus, you don't understand. Really? See if this rings a bell. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was praying, not only that was he forgiving the people that were killing him, he was praying that the Father forgives the people who were actively killing him at the moment. Man. That's who I want to be when I grow up. I mean, let that sink in. We ask Jesus for everything, constantly, right? I mean, imagine if you could, like, if all of the requests that came to God came through, like, text messages... And, and like you could read them, it would be ding, 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 all day long, right? Like, bring, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it would be amazing. AT&T would make a fortune. No, um, 
We ask him for everything, to heal this and provide that. But have you ever thought, wouldn't it be nice just once, just once, if we could answer one of his prayers? I mean, we're stoked when he answers ours, unless the answer's no. But <laughs> we're stoked when you're praying for someone's back and your hand gets warm and their back heals. And we're just like, yay, God, this is awesome. Well, imagine if we could answer one of his prayers. I'm here to tell you we can. It would take some effort. Jesus prayed. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. He's talking about his disciples, which... You know, we get to claim that too. That all of them may be one. I'm sorry. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you have gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. We could do that. We could stop bickering over what color the carpet should be or what service comes before or after the what service or what are the announcements going to be? <laughs> you know, silly stuff that we argue about in church. It's hilarious. I remember uh, there was this huge thing. We, we had done, um, we used to get the band shell down at the beach twice a year, right? when I was brand new here, and then it was once a year, and now it's been quite a while. And uh, Jose Gutierrez was the speaker. And someone in the audience, uh, after it was over, you have to understand, Jose was really sick that day. It might have been nerves, I don't know. But um, he had vomited just before he got on stage to speak, and uh, uh, he was having a rough time of it. But, but he spoke, and it was awesome, right? I, yeah, it was awesome. But uh, when it was all said and done, he had called everyone down. We had, we had brought the cross, right? And all these people came, flooded down to the cross to kneel down and pray and accept Jesus. And Jose is standing on the edge of the stage looking out this way. And he didn't notice that someone was waving at him trying to get his attention. And that person was angry for a long time. <laughs> like, and those are the things we get upset about. Right? Our, our egos get bruised over something someone didn't even mean. And it becomes a big deal. But we could end all that if we stop thinking so much about ourselves. And if we start acting as if we were ambassadors of heaven. If we started acting as if we were sent here and we're not from here. 
And we don't care if we're comfortable while we're here. We don't care if we're sleeping in a house that bugs are flying and inviting us. If we don't care about if the meal was good or not while we're on this missions trip. So it looks like I'm, I'm running a little late. I apologize. I'll, uh, I'll land the plane, I promise. <laughs> so at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says something very important. He goes through all the people that are blessed. Well, blessed are these people and blessed are those people. And he said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Interesting. I didn't mean for this to be my last point, but it is. That's funny. (laughs) We're called to be peacemakers everywhere we go. Peacemakers. So whatever hill you're ready to die on because you think this is right and that is wrong, quit it. It's time to quit it. We need to be one. We are one church. And I have to tell you, some of you guys are going to laugh, but there are Bible-believing, Jesus-loving Democrats out there. And there are Bible-believing, Jesus-loving Republicans out there. One of the hardest moments of my career as a pastor working at this church was at the very beginning of it in COVID. I wasn't even actually hired yet, but I was sitting in the boardrooms. And we had to think, whose voice isn't getting heard in the decisions we're making? And there were people on this side of the argument that were going to be mad if we do this. And people on this side of the argument that were going to be mad if we do that. And all we could do is figure out, how are we going to love everybody? That was hard. It was really hard. Blessed are those that are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I find it interesting that the people that are persecuted because of righteousness have the same reward, if you will, as the people that are poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. (laughs) That's the God we serve. It says, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The prophets spoke about Jesus and they were killed for it. (laughs) Really, I guess the best I could hope for is that I get killed for it. I'm not asking you to kill me, trust me. (laughs) And so in case I completely strayed from what my goal was today, 
in case I just talked in circles or you guys were busy listening to the game in your earpiece, <laughs> the takeaway of this, the thing that I was hoping to express, is that we should live our, our everyday lives here on earth the way we would if we really understood what it means to be a citizen of heaven while we were here. I really hope that I nailed that for you guys today. I really hope that you decide to leave here today and instead of thinking about, I want, I want, I want, that you're going to figure out how to show somebody the love of Christ today, right here in Oceanside. And if God sends you to another country to do it, great. Please take me with you. And I think that's enough out of me today. If the band could come back down. And if the, we have a prayer team up here. And if anything I said upset any of you, it's okay to tell the prayer team at the end of this. Thanks for listening. You guys have a good week. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.